0: Work, workforce, and workplace norms are shaped as much by popularized portrayals as they are by our lived experiences. From sensational headlines, like The Great Resignation, to successful series, like The Office and Silicon Valley, to skits and stories shared on our social media feeds, what we see shapes what we believe. Let's go behind the scenes to discover what's new now and next in the world of work and we'll challenge the traditions of what it means to live well and to work well. This is Success From Anywhere. Today on Success From Anywhere, we'll meet the social entrepreneur and John Lewis Fellow for Civil and Human Rights who continues to march toward one million job opportunities. A founder who is changing the workforce pipeline one internship and one apprenticeship at a time with the help of technology. Please join me in welcoming to the show, Ava Sadegi, co-founder and CEO of Simba. Welcome to the show. Hi, Karen.
1: Thank you so much for having me and thank you for that warm intro. Excited to be here. I could have spent
0: the entire show just introducing you. You've had quite a fascinating background. Everyone listening will want to know first and foremost, Say more about the John Lewis Fellowship opportunity. Wow, well that was
1: such a profound experience and opportunity. I had just finished my graduate studies in London where I was studying economics and human rights and I got accepted to this fellowship and he had brought in 20 fellows from around the world. So it was actually one of a few representing the United States. And during the fellowship, each student had to come up with an action project how do we address civil and human rights in our own respective countries? So it was so fascinating to learn from students in Australia, in Holland, talking about their own countries and coming up with solutions. And I was the first one who came up with a For profit company as an action project. So that was kind of my twist on the whole experience, but it was so profound. Late Congressman John Lewis is an absolute icon and really what's good in this world about, you know, being on this quest for good trouble. So it was
0: an incredible honor. And congratulations to you on creating a for-profit business. I mean, money helps solve a multitude of challenges, as we all know. And because this is a show where we talk a lot about work and the future of work, I like to ask each guest, what was your first paid job and how did that job inform or inspire your career trajectory?
1: So my first pay job that I did was actually as a server. I worked in the service industry and I think that it has been so powerful for shaping my entire career trajectory because it's taught me how to take on a lot, manage so many different relationships, be a team player, working with bussers in the kitchen and having
0: a positive attitude through it all. So it was a great experience. What I'm hearing already is your theme about being of service. I mean, working in the hospitality industry, working through the fellowship program and the work you're doing now, tell us more about Simba and what inspired you to create this business. My startup
1: journey building Simba is a little different because I never thought in a million years that I would be a startup founder. I was really passionate about economics. I thought I would go on to being a diplomat. I had dreamed you know, from a young age wanting to work at the UN, but when I was in college in Tucson, Arizona... I was one of the first remote interns at the U.S. Department of State, and this is over a decade ago. And that experience was transformative because a young student in Tucson, Arizona, now had the State Department in D.C. on her resume. So it opened up access in a whole new way. And I started doing more and more remote internships. So well over a decade ago, I became excited about how work is changing. And I kept sharing this insight with my friends. And that's really what was my action project that I worked on with late Congressman John Lewis. And we had paired students with opportunities remotely and built a whole platform and experience to really scale these initiatives. And we started Simba in 2017. And it was challenging because people said remote internships would never happen. Stop trying to make it happen. (laughs) And then all of a sudden in 2020, we were the only solution in the market. And we really took off and tried to be a solution during a really challenging time.
0: You were ahead of your time. Visionary, one of the great characteristics of startup founders. And you and I first met when I wrote an article about you for Authority Magazine, and you said something that has stuck with me to this moment, which is a paid internship or apprenticeship is a luxury. Tell us more.
1: So it's interesting. I think that we probably did that like five or four or five years ago almost, because now it's not a luxury. It's a right. From that perspective, I probably said that because I had done six unpaid internship. So I felt like that was a luxury because it was something that was unattainable to me. It's not a luxury, nor should it ever be a luxury that you are working for anyone for free. I mean, that is just, first of all, it's legal. I also, there's no protections that you have if you're not actually paid. You don't even have the HR support around you. So I would change that up as I've gotten more into this field. And we launched the paid internship pledge to really bring corporations to end
0: unpaid internships. 40% of internships are still unpaid today. What I like about what you're saying is you're sharing eye-opening statistics, 40% of internships are still unpaid. And when we think about the implication of that, it means you're limiting your own talent pool because only so many people can afford to work for free. What shows up for me is how much That limits opportunity for a diverse pipeline of candidates. And it also, I mean, there's so many factors that play
1: into it as far as ensuring that the candidate is already set up to be on payroll, right? If this is supposed to lead to an actual full-time opportunity. And also if you're relying on the candidate for great work and deliverables, there should be some formal exchange. But to this point of diversity, equity, inclusion, that's where we really champion our mission around open up the workforce, because in order to really create um, change from the C-suite and on, it starts at the entry point. And how do we ensure everybody has an equal shot at the starting line that everyone's you know set up for success?
0: That is a powerful call to action, the internship pledge and the call out to leaders, because We see so many leaders stand up and talk about the importance of diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, and have initiatives and targets and speak about this publicly. And yet, if we're putting a tax on the front end that says, in order to be a part of our diverse workforce, you must be willing to work for free, you limit your options by choice. And I think that goes into when we talk about
1: systemic challenges and obstacles that are facing. These are some of those examples of that, right? These things that we need to be more cautious and intentional and thoughtful around, because sometimes you you know it you don 't realize it uh, you know i I called a paid internship a luxury like i can 't believe I said that, but you know i 'm here as a leader saying the more I learn and the more I experience, I understand and that things change, and it 's important as I become educated to make those changes.
0: Your comments remind me of my university job working for a professor as a research assistant. And he had a contract to do research each year with the Radio Television News Directors Association, and he would publish trends based on a survey. My job was to call and follow up on the non-respondents and also do some work with him about what the data meant. I was fortunate that once a year I got to have a byline with him, and the topic of our shared research article was each year about the number of internships that were paid versus not in radio and television. And I'm sad to say, I don't think that much has changed since the period of time where we were doing that research. What is it going to take for us to change this mindset of expecting people to work for free? I think it should be illegal. I mean,
1: I, I know I'm laughing about it, but it's, it's actually, it should be illegal. If you think of that any other transaction, when would it be okay to work for free? And it, I think that that might be what it takes making it illegal. And I think that an academic credit is great, but what about the future where we're not necessarily encouraging everyone to go to a four-year degree because that, you know, you accumulate so much debt and then maybe you're working the rest of your life to pay off that debt. So how are we really creating systems that enable the next generation of talent to be successful and also require employers? As a startup founder myself, I have taken on a lot of HR practices inherently in the work that I do and things that are illegal. I'm very cautious. I'm like, that's Black and white, we cannot do that. And so I think that maybe there might need to be some actual legal ramifications here.
0: Tell us more about Simba's offerings. How are you solving this challenge of a more diverse talent pipeline? And how do you partner... With organizations. I
1: love that you asked this, Karen, because when we first started building Simba, we thought we would be a marketplace. We thought, okay, it's obvious. We'll take really brilliant students and match them with really cool companies, and everybody will be happy. Well, when we started doing our research, we sat down with around 120 talent leaders from nonprofits to Fortune 100 companies, and we asked them about remote internships. First, they laughed at us. And then they said it would be impossible. And we said, well, why is that? said, well, we're already using nine to 11 different platforms to run a 12-week program. And then we said, well, what if we could make that journey better? So that's what we do. We actually make it possible to run a remote internship by giving companies the infrastructure, the tool to onboard, manage, engage all their early talent from the moment they accept their offer to their alumni phase, so you can re-recruit them. And so there's a whole suite of features. We live on top of an HRIS system like a Workday, but we can also live
0: on the side of it. And we've powered over um, 10,000 work experiences to date. That's a major milestone. And you started to reference the importance of technology, which in the world of hiring and candidate experience has an upside and a downside. Say more about your approach to using technology in this context. What can you tell us about how we could use technology for the better with our workforce experiences?
1: With technology, we can eliminate and we can reduce the tedious task that we don't need to do. So we can focus on being strategic. We can focus on spending our time building relationships and partnerships and the things that are actually innately human. So being a good mentor, being a great manager, spending time giving quality feedback, spending time practicing maybe different skills and learning new skills. So we automate the survey collection process. We automate the friction out of some of the onboarding things that are being done very manually that don't need to be done that way. So really, we use technology as a means to our end. So how do we get there a little bit faster? How do we have the right car, the right transportation, so we get to our destination is how we look at
0: it. Did you know that 68% of workers say a hybrid workplace is their preference? Make hybrid work for everyone with Robin. Robin is the industry-leading, flexible workplace platform for connecting people with rooms, desks, and each other. We've helped companies like Peloton, Toyota, and Hulu build better workplace experiences. Plus, we integrate with the tools you already know and love. To learn more about how we make flexible work a reality, visit www.robinpowered.com. When we think about this world of a DEIB program and more diverse workforce, and even unfortunately, internships and apprenticeships, some organizations take the mindset that that's a nice to have versus a must have. And you're tracking some real metrics of the impact of this work. Can you share some of those metrics and measurements that matter? Yes. So you're hitting
1: something that's very close to our heart here at Simba. An apprentice, we're actually seeing really, really exciting impact that an apprentice is almost can stay on board with the higher retention of up to five years compared to someone who is just freshly recruited and hired. And an intern is almost twice as likely to stay retained longer term compared to those who haven't done an internship. And we look at, we look at interns. Most of the data comes around a paid internship opportunity. And so we believe this is because with an intern or an apprentice, it's almost like your alma mater. They're the organization who believed in you first. You almost feel this vested interest and staying longer term. So we see some some really exciting metrics and it makes it a very cost-effective decision to double down on your early career strategy.
0: There are hiring managers all over the world that will say, well, there aren't enough diverse candidates for me to really... Achieve the dream of this diverse workforce. What would you say to them?
1: Well, I first of all like to have a, another conversation with them, uh, <laughs> and I would say that you know that's a very right here. I'll say that's very short sighted to them. I think that you know growing up in Texas and understanding you know having a very thoughtful conversation and saying you know asking them why is that? Where are you recruiting from? Which ponds are you fishing from? And so I would really encourage them to build partnerships with organizations like the ones we work with, like Inroads, that might be able to expand their understanding of where they're going for talent, other nonprofits, other different groups and associations that they can be a part of, HBCUs and others to expand because that is not valid. That's just not true, that there's not enough diverse talent.
0: (laughs) Choose to challenge sounds like one of your core principles and simply asking the question, is that true? Now, Inroads might be a new or unfamiliar organization to some of our listeners. Could you say more about that? Absolutely. So Inroads is an incredible nonprofit. It's been around for almost 50 years
1: and they have created a lot of great opportunities for students who might be first generation from underserved communities and backgrounds to tap into paid internship and mentorship and career learning opportunities. And they have a big vision for changing what the C-suite looks like. And they're already, doing so and making a
0: really big impact. So we're really proud to be working with them. We've been talking and focusing a lot in our conversation about hiring and sourcing diverse candidates. So finding the right people, getting them matched with a receptive organization. Once they are hired or placed in an internship or an apprenticeship, what are some of the other barriers to success that we all need to choose to challenge so that the apprentices and interns have a great experience? Great question. And that's our bread and butter, our sweet spot at Simba. Because
1: as I mentioned, we don't do the recruiting. We focus on the experience as soon as they accept the offer. One thing that's really important is not just making sure people get through the door, but how do we make sure they love the experience? So one thing that you can choose to challenge is Do my diverse candidates have the support that they need from mentors who might look like them or from ERG groups who represent them? How are we making sure that they want to stay here? Does leadership look like them? Do they feel like they can see themselves growing into an opportunity and their career trajectory here at this company? So I think those are things we can choose to challenge. One, do we have enough support for them? And two, Does our leadership and executive and management look like the diversity we really want to
0: embrace here? And to take that a step further, what is one thing that you wish every hiring manager or manager of an intern or apprentice knew? What do we all need to know? I think that we need to know how profound the impact that we have as a manager
1: and a leader for someone overseeing and supervising an intern or apprentice. I think back to my own internships. I've done six unpaid, as I mentioned, but each one was so profound and I'm so close to my managers. I've stayed in touch. I actually had a coffee chat with my first intern manager from the Peace Corps not too long ago, and it was so profound because this is the first time someone could be entering the workforce. And potentially their parents have never had a role like this, or no one in their family has. So they really lean on you as a leader to take them under their wing and create opportunities for them, show them the way and take ownership of the opportunity. Because I think there's really nothing more meaningful than helping and shaping someone's future career path. So I think that, you know, acknowledging the
0: power and the impact that you can have as a manager and stepping up to the plate. We all had to get a first job. We all have a manager who believed in us and helped us see a bigger vision for our future than we saw for ourselves. And we all want to lead lives that matter. And what you're talking about is there's nothing that matters more than leaving a legacy through the people you leave behind. I love how you are rephrasing what I'm saying. It's incredible.
1: (laughs) And so spot on, Karen, you're brilliant.
0: Says the woman who was in the Peace Corps and the John Lewis Fellowship and started her own business. I mean, I feel like you should have a cape on with some sort of S for success written on the on the back, which would be amazing. Maybe we'll get you one as a follow up yeah. to the show. Since it is success from anywhere, <laughs> I love that S for success and Simba all tied together. Simba, see, it was meant to be. It was meant to be. As you look toward the future and scaling your business and your impact. And for all of us, what are some of the future of work trends we need to watch so that we maintain the gain and continue to make progress in this critically important area of a diverse workforce? Yes, that's a big question that I think
1: we're all really grappling with because work is changing faster than we've ever seen it change. I think we always go through these periods of revolution where work changes, but right now we're at a hyper extreme and change. One thing that I'm incredibly passionate about and our team is very focused on along with our partners is skills. How are we ensuring that the next generation is equipped with the right skill set to be successful, to ensure economic opportunity and sustainability long term in their path? And so I believe that's something that we all need to come to the table on. It's not about just degrees. It's about skills. It's about fair hiring. And I think that's something I would really encourage a call to action for a lot of employers to rethink their hiring process and focus on skills, building these apprenticeship programs to also upskilling and reskilling
0: your current workforce long-term. What are the most important? important skills that employees and future employees are going to need? Durable skills. I'm on the board of America Succeeds and durable skills are these innately human skills,
1: skills that maybe chat GBT won't be able to whip up (laughs) in in a second. And so this is um, communication, problem solving, some of the interpersonal skills, uh, resolution, conflict, uh, building some of these might be really, really powerful long-term that I think are important for us to
0: harness. Durable human skills, yes, help us be better at work. They also help us lead better lives. I mean, we could all upskill in our life based on what you're describing there.
1: Yes, and our communities, right? We can continue to create space for healthy dialogue, communication. If you think about how this even equates into politics and disagreements and so many other factors, if we can improve lines of communication, we can all come to better solutions for our communities.
0: And for many successful people and organizations, it's less about what we start and more about what we stop. What is one question you wish every hiring manager would stop asking? Where did you go to school? (laughs) I don't think that's necessary anymore. Yes. And it does limit you in some ways. You overlook people who have incredible potential and may not have had what a word that you used earlier, access. Exactly. Access as a part of education and going to school. What do you want to be celebrating one year from today? I think a new phase
1: within Simba where we have really expanded to some of the global markets we want to serve. So I think that we're really excited about getting our number from 10,000 to
0: 25,000 a year from now and expanding internationally. That's awesome. Well, we're cheering for your success. So that Kate might need to have the S made of sequins so you can really <laughs> fly around the world. And I'm curious, ultimately, what do you aspire for your legacy to be from this work? Service, about giving
1: back and building a community. When I think of Simba, we when we came together with our first founders meeting, we said, we want this to be bigger than us. We want this to be a call to action, a pay it forward, where we're all on a mission to ensure economic opportunity and success longer term. So that's what I'm very excited about. Service, giving back, creating pathways
0: for economic opportunity. From self to service to success. I can't think of a better way to head into one of my favorite segments on the show, our virtual water cooler. I started this segment because people say they miss spontaneously gathering around the water cooler and the chit chat that happens. So I'm going to ask you five quick questions and you just say the first thing that comes to mind so we can get to know you a little bit better as a person. Are you game for that? Yes, let's go. (laughs) Awesome. What time of day do you do your best creative work? 10 a.m. You and I are are soul sisters. All right. (laughs) Speaking of time, imagine every day now has 25 hours rather than 24. How are you going to spend your extra hour? Yoga. Oh, yes. (laughs) I'm a yoga instructor. (laughs) Oh, good for you. That's that's fantastic. If you had to eat one meal every day for the rest of your life, what would it be? Sushi. (laughs) The zombie apocalypse is coming who are three people you want on your team? I think that I would be biased. It would go, have to be my
1: my founder, my co-founder, Nikita, my fiance, and my sister, Anava.
0: <laughs> so yeah, uh, my family. You love. Yeah, yes. a little sushi, some yoga mats. You're good. Yes. And last, how can our listeners stay in touch with you and the high impact work you're doing? I am very active on LinkedIn.
1: So share my details and they can also email and reach out. I really appreciate the opportunity, Karen.
0: Thanks to Ava Sadegi, co-founder and CEO of Simba for joining us today on Success From Anywhere. Because success is not a destination, success is not a location. Success is available to anyone, anywhere, anytime. Thanks for listening.